To say that one is blessed is to express that he or she has been gifted by God with the potential to accomplish something extraordinary, but that potential needs its own blessing to ensure the potential's ultimate actualization. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 42, Priestly Blessings in a Museum and on a Train. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. In the late 1970s, the archaeologist Gabriel Barkai oversaw an excavation of an area in the Valley of Hinnom, outside ancient Jerusalem. It was in this area, Josephus reports, that Titus first gathered his Roman forces to prepare for the siege and destruction of Second Temple Jerusalem. And Rome is not the only empire that left reminders of its former presence. A Byzantine church occupied the site. And the Chicago Tribune tells us that, quote, closer to the surface, the excavators found beer bottles left by British soldiers in the 1920s when Britain ruled Palestine and rifles left by earlier Ottoman Turkish rulers, end quote. To excavate in Israel is to encounter the empires that once bestrode the world like a colossus and set their sights on Jerusalem. Babylon, Persia, Rome. Byzantium, the Ottomans, the British. But buried beneath the remains of these world powers was an ancient amulet discovered by Barkai, bearing words from the Book of Numbers, an amulet that can be seen today in the Israel Museum, an artifact that is one of the most astonishing emblems of Jewish eternity. Our discussion today largely centers on three verses in the Torah, verses that lie at the heart of a six-verse passage. It may seem strange to devote so much attention to so few sentences in Scripture. But as I will argue, it is the Jewish people that have so devotedly lavished love throughout the ages on these sentences. Number 6, verse 22. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and his sons, saying, This way shall ye bless the children of Israel. Say unto them, May the Lord bless thee and protect thee. May the Lord make his face shine upon thee, and may he grant grace unto thee. May the Lord lift up his countenance unto thee, and may he grant thee peace. This is known as Birkat Kohanim, the blessing of the priesthood. It is one of the smaller passages in the Pentateuch, and it is safe to say, one of the most beloved. These words are designated for pronunciation by the priests in the temple, and also, as it is recited by the priests today, during communal prayer. The obligation of blessing Israel is for the priesthood alone, but the words have become part of Jewish parlance and liturgy beyond the realm of the original obligation. They are utilized by many in blessings bestowed from parent to child in Jewish homes, before Yom Kippur and on every Friday night. Every morning, moreover, at the beginning of daily prayer, when Jews give gratitude to God for the gift of the Torah, they seek to immediately follow their invocation with a bit of Torah study, with a reading from sacred scripture. And for centuries, the sentences said have been these, Yivarechacha Hashem v'yishmerecha, May God bless thee and protect thee. And what is absolutely incredible is that Gabriel Barkai's excavation makes it quite clear that the Jewish love of these verses, the penchant for singling them out, goes back thousands of years. Like many archaeological discoveries, Barkais came through a combination of effort and accident. According to an excellent article on the City of David website, Barkai recollected how one of the volunteers was a 13-year-old. He says, quote, There was one annoying kid named Nathan who was always tugging at my shirt. I thought this was an ideal place to put him, 
he would be out of my sight. I told Nathan the repository had to be as clean as his mother's kitchen, even if he had to lick it. It had to be clean for the photography, end quote. Seemingly unfortunately for Barkai, but actually fortunately, Nathan had a hammer. And as many of you know, 13-year-old boys are a lot more interested in banging than cleaning. So he took his hammer and broke open a mosaic. Nathan saw through the hole that he had created what appeared to be a piece of pottery. So he came back to Barkai with it, and the astounded archaeologist went back to the repository to discover that this annoying kid had come upon one of the great treasure sources in the history of archaeology, a chamber filled with ancient objects. I know, ladies and gentlemen, this sounds like something out of the movie National Treasure, but in Israel, these things just happen. Barkai reported how he had to now engage in an excavation of buried treasure while keeping it secret in a society where people like to tell things to one another, saying that, quote, it was very hot. We had to change teams every few hours. There was a lady who was in charge of coffee and sandwiches. Everyone was sworn to secrecy. They weren't allowed to tell parents, spouses, or friends. If word got around Jerusalem that there was such a treasure, the California gold rush would be nothing compared to what would happen here, end quote. Among the artifacts found were silver scrolls. Fascinating discussions about them in the New York Times, in the Chicago Tribune, on the City of David website, and elsewhere, describe how the Israel Museum finally came up with a way to decipher what was on them. A special glue was created that would allow the scrolls to be unrolled. The ink on the silver was highlighted and then photographed so that the letters could be enlarged. And then a microscope was utilized to decipher a letter. Only then did they understand that these were amulets that an ancient Israelite had written for himself. That is why the letters are so small. They were not written to be read. The archaeologists studied them carefully, along with other invocations of the divine. They saw, suddenly on a scroll, pieces of sentences that seemed so familiar, it was easy to reconfigure the entire passage. May God bless you, and may he protect you. What they had found was the words of Birkat Kohanim, the priestly blessings. This was the oldest words from the Bible ever discovered, many hundreds of years older than the Dead Sea Scrolls. This find is now on display in the Israel Museum, and discoveries such as the extraordinary amulet are essential for us to celebrate, to hold aloft. For we hear all too often from those that seek to deny the profound roots of the Jewish people in the Holy Land, in Jerusalem, in the Temple Mount. And here, on the amulet, we see these words of Birkat Koanim buried beneath the detritus of despots and the ash heap of empires, under the beer bottles of the British and the rifles of the Ottomans, predating the Byzantines and the Romans, the Persians and the Babylonians, bearing words from the First Temple period, words that the Koanim, the priests, in fulfillment of Moses' original communicated command, would have utilized to bestow blessings upon the people of Israel. The amulet, the silver scroll, testifies to the roots, almost literally the roots, of Judaism in Jerusalem and the Temple Mount itself. Words once intoned by the Kohanim atop the sacred mountain in Jerusalem. But the discovery also illustrates, I think, that literally millennia ago, the blessings designated for pronouncement by the priests was beloved by Israel and inscribed on amulets. It is often said that what we call in Hebrew Birkat Kohanim contains three blessings, 
Indeed, it is known in our liturgy as the bracha hamishuleshet, the three-part blessing. And yet, when we examine these sentences carefully, we realize that every one of these sentences contains a double blessing. For example, Yivarechacha Adonai v'yishmerecha. May God bless you, and may he protect you. If he is blessing you, why does he need to protect you? The answer, suggests Rabbi Naftali Tzvi Yehuda Berlin, is that every blessing needs another blessing. To say that one is blessed is to express that he or she has been gifted by God with the potential to accomplish something extraordinary, but that potential needs its own blessing to ensure the potential's ultimate actualization. Thus, what is happening here is that the priests intone, may God bless you with great gifts, and may he protect you, may he help you ensure that these gifts are fully realized. For a Berlin, every blessing needs protection, every blessing needs a blessing, lest the original blessing become a curse. Building on Rabbi Berlin and on others inspired by his interpretation, let us parse the priestly blessings for a moment. May God bless you. This Jewish tradition understands as a reference to economic abundance. And to this, the priests add, but may he also protect you. Wealth can be a blessing, but it can also, if misused, be a curse. Thus, the priests are asking here for prosperity, but also for divine protection, so that this prosperity is channeled wisely and well. Next, may God shine his light upon you. This can perhaps be taken as a reference to intellectual enlightenment, which is essential, but which at times can also lead, unfortunately, to arrogance, and therefore the priests, the Kohanim, add, and may God grant you grace, meaning, may you attain knowledge and still be gracious with others. Finally, may God lift up his face to you. This refers, as I understand it, to God's special relationship with Israel. To this, the Kohen, the priest, adds, and may he grant you peace. Peace among the people, Rabbi Berlin notes, is essential for Israel's blessings to truly be blessings. The sudden appearance of the priestly blessings in the text here can now perhaps be understood. For the previous chapters spoke of ruptures within different parts of society, in chapter 5 between husband and wife, and perhaps in chapter 6 in its description of the Nazarite, who in an act of asceticism abstains from some of the general pleasures of life. Peace within the chosen people through covenantal love, that is the import of the end of the final blessing. And indeed, the priests, as they bestow this blessing, are obligated to personify this very love themselves. Numbers chapter 6 concludes with a final description of Birkat Kohanim, and they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. What this means is that ultimately it is God that blesses Israel. According to tradition, the priests, as they pronounce the words of Birkat Kohanim, extend their arms, part their fingers, and as they intone the words, God's blessing then flows through them. It may be known to some that the precise configuration of the Kohanim's hands during Birkat Kohanim inspired Leonard Nimoy's Vulcan salute. He had seen it as a child and then incorporated it into the famous greeting, Live Long and Prosper. But the irony, for those who know about Star Trek, is that the Vulcans care only about logic, whereas the opening of the Kohen's hand in the Birkat Kohanim is an embodiment of emotion, of covenantal love. As Rabbi Joseph Soloveitchik put it, 
Before beginning the blessing, the priest, the Kohen, symbolize an individual who is, quote, an ordinary mortal whose hands are generally close-fisted. But at the moment when the prayer leader announced Kohanim, something marvelous transpired. A metamorphosis occurred. His hands opened, and at the same time his heart opened, and a hidden font of love was revealed. And from here the blessings poured out, and the Shekhinah shone forth, end quote. In other words, the Kohen has his hands unopened before the blessings begin. But then, his hands suddenly extend, and the divine presence, the Shekhinah, bestows blessings through him. Thus, the priestly blessings bear lessons for life. They remind us that every blessing needs a blessing, and that we are all in need of the covenantal love of God. We may well understand now why parents have adopted the priestly blessings and made it their mantra. They employ it in asking for blessing for their children and in praying that all gifts with which their children are endowed be channeled toward a positive end. And if Jews begin every morning with this passage as their first act of Torah study, it is perhaps because these few select sentences remind them to ensure that the blessings achieved during the day, financial or intellectual, physical or spiritual, truly be a blessing to them and to others. As such, the discovery of the amulet in ancient Jerusalem inscribed with the priestly blessings speaks to the very nature of Birkat Koanim itself. It teaches us that these very verses were always cherished, perhaps because these seemingly concise sentences actually teach us so much. The way in which this amulet was ultimately interpreted by archaeologists through the technological unwrapping of the scroll, the photographic enlarging of the letters, the scrutinizing of the words by means of a microscope, all this provides a meaningful metaphor. It is such a tiny biblical passage, but its words have been poured over, unwrapped, and enlarged for Jews throughout the centuries and throughout their lives. And the fact that this amulet was discovered buried beneath the centuries of civilizations that once bestrode the earth, while today an amulet of ancient Israel is treasured in modern Israel, is a reminder of the miracle of the Jewish state itself. Such a great source of blessing. It is in reflecting on this blessing that we must ask God, V'yishmerecha, that he bless it and protect it. And to see the ancient words of Birkat Konim in a museum in Jerusalem is to be reminded of their lesson that we are called to act toward one another in the manner that the priests bestow their blessings in extending our hands in love to one another in recognition of the miracles of our age and the blessings and obligations that those miracles have bestowed upon us. In a wonderful article in Tablet, Aaron Katz, who emigrated to Israel from my hometown, the frozen tundra that is Chicago, Illinois, describes his daily commute on the train to Tel Aviv. In one of the cars, there is a minyan, a daily prayer service. And in Israel, during a public prayer service, Birkat Kohanim is recited every day. Thus, the blessings of the priesthood, recited by ancient Israel in the temple, is now recited in modern Israel on a fast-moving train. Katz, as a Kohen, as a descendant of the priests of the temple, takes part and he reflects upon the experience as follows, quote, I have always found the text of the Birkat Kohanim remarkably uplifting, but as I recite the prayer each morning on a moving train in the state of Israel, the words have taken on an entirely new meaning for me, and even more so when I am chanting it during the difficult security situation that Israel is currently facing. On a train filled with the spectrum of Israeli society, 
I have a unique opportunity to provide the passengers, including the soldiers and police officers who risked their lives to defend the state of Israel, with a blessing of protection and peace. The Talmud explains in Tractate Sota 38b that Berkat Kohanim reaches out to the people out in the fields who are unable to be present during the recitation of the blessing. As we literally pass through the fields in the vicinity of Ramla and Lod each morning during Berkat Kohanim, I always smile at how literal the Talmudic saying has become in my own life. And I wonder, could the rabbis of the Talmud ever have imagined that an immigrant Kohen to Israel would be passing through the fields with a minyan while reciting the Birkat Kohanim and praying for peace, end quote. I don't know if the sages imagined this, but I know they would have believed it possible, for they believed in the indestructible bonds of the Jewish people. And thus it is that an amulet in the Israel Museum in today's Jewish state is a true testament to Jewish eternity. This is Mayor Soloveitchik. Looking forward to learning together tomorrow. Signing off.